Thank you for choosing the podcast of East Haven Baptist Church in Brookhaven, Mississippi. For more information on the ministries of East Haven and to access videos and sermon notes from our services, visit www.easthaven.net. I grew up hearing a term. Some of you probably are familiar with the term rich folk. I hear sometimes people would say, man, them, them folks is rich, them is rich folks. And now, wealth, as far as monetarily, is a matter of perspective. For example, if you've done some international travel, then you might be aware that a lot of nations consider all of us rich folks. When I went to South Africa a number of years ago, been there several times, I noticed in this pastor's conference that a number of the South Africans were very interested in America, especially visiting America. How can I get to America? And they were very kind and very friendly, and I realized that, honestly, a number of them were trying to figure out a way to get over here. And what I understood that I didn't understand at first was primarily because they considered me rich folk. So being rich is a matter of perspective. I grew up with a buddy who, by the time we were in junior high, I would say his, his folks were rich. His dad was rich for a number of years, and so because he was my buddy and had been my buddy, I kind of had a buddy that was rich folks. There were some privileges and some things that we were able to do because of money. Both of my grandfathers, as I've shared with you, died when I was 12. One of them was a professor preacher. He wouldn't have been considered rich folk. But my other granddaddy, my mama's daddy, would have been considered rich folk. Now, I didn't know that growing up, but I looked back on it, and I thought, yes, Mr. Overstreet, my granddaddy, who was an architect, was wealthy. There were some benefits, very different than when I went to Granny's house and when I went to Grandmama's house, Grandmama Overstreet, because I never saw her cook. Somebody else did the cooking. I never saw Granddaddy Overstreet drive a car. Somebody else drove the car. And so as I look back at it, I think, you know, growing up, I knew some rich folk. Now, you may be rich folk. I don't know. There's nothing wrong if God has blessed you monetarily. When God blesses us monetarily, it just means that that doesn't need to be our love or our idol or our greatest passion. It just means we have an opportunity to bless others more, be more generous, and do things that God allows us to do. There's nothing wrong with that. We're all different. But what I would tell you is that as a Christian, we are rich folk. Now, if you're here last week, you know we are in the study of Ephesians. If you hadn't done that, and you haven't done so already, turn to Ephesians. If you didn't bring your Bible, should be on the screen. We are in chapter 1. We're in verse, we're going to start with verse 3, and we're going to go through verse 13, I believe, this morning. And we're going to talk about 
rich folk. We're going to talk about how spiritually we are extremely wealthy. We are rich. You see, monetarily, that's great if we've been blessed with that and we want to bless others and our family and our church and ministries and whatever God leads us to do. But we must understand that when eternity happens, when we breathe our last, we don't get to take any of that money or wealth or possessions with us. So today, I am so encouraged as I was getting ready for today, reading these scriptures, thinking, I'm rich folk. Our church, we rich folk. Spiritual riches have to do with abundant life here and, in a way, eternal life in heaven. God's going to show us today, as we look at this passage, beginning with verse 3 in a minute, how rich we are. Because in our study, it talks about in Him, meaning in Christ. We looked at that briefly last week. The Apostle Paul, who wrote the letter to the church at Ephesus, used that term, in Christ or in Him, 50 times in his letters. Meaning, in him, for example, we'll see, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin. In him, in him, in Christ, in Christ. When we realize we are in him, we are spiritually wealthy. It's really beyond anything we can comprehend. In the first 14 verses here, Paul used it almost a dozen times, 12 times. Believers are joined in him and have numerous benefits. The term wealth was significant to the readers because Ephesus was considered the bank of Asia. These folks appreciated great beauty and wealth. A primary reason was due to the great temple of Artemis. As I was reading, I said, why do they love that so much? Wealth and uh, beautiful structures and temples. It's because of Artemis. Paul translated it to spiritual wealth to connect with the readers. It's important for us to understand as as we begin to walk through Ephesians. Christians operate in the heavenly and earthly realm, the visible and the invisible. And it's the heavenly realm that provides what we need in the earthly realm for our walk on earth. The first verse in our text this morning, chapter 3, begins with the word praise. Now, we're going to see, and I love that all the songs, but that last song, being grateful and praising the Lord, we're going to see We're to praise, we're to praise, we're to praise. We're going to see that word's in there several times as well as in him. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessings in Christ. Now, let me stop right there. We recognize that immediately if we know that Jesus, after he ascended, is at the right hand of the Father and interceding on our behalf. When we don't know how to pray, he helps us out. That's a blessing. 
For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy, blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. So the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. Now let's stop right there. Put a pause button. Keep your finger right there where we are. Hang on a minute. Let's talk about that word just a minute. We did it last week. Let me tell you what I noticed, ladies. I talked about being lavished and used it as an example how on, on uh, Valentine's Day, your husbands probably lavish you with great expressions of love. And I noticed how there was some energy in the room when I noticed that. And I just want to I just want to commend you guys because I am sure I'm interpreting the energy that was in the room as absolutely my husband does a wonderful job on Valentine's Day lavishing me with great love candy flowers date night I'm telling you I just want to commend you guys for that I really do now I want to tell you ladies it also works both ways it's good for you to lavish us with love on those significant special occasions. As a matter of fact, since my wife is out working with the Baptist Children's Village and she's not here, I want you ladies to help a brother out because I have a birthday coming up in the next month or two. It's insignificant how old I am or what day it is, but here's what I need you to do. You need to share with with my wife when you see her out and about and say, oh, I hear that on your, your husband's birthday that you lavish him with expressions of love. Tell us, Kelly, what are what are you planning for this year? That way you've got her thinking about all the ways she's going to express her love for me. Now, that's not in my notes. I just thought about that this morning. I thought, this is an opportunity while Miss Kelly is gone. Thank you, sisters, because I know you're going to help a brother out. Now, we're going to go on, and we're going to talk about how God lavishes us with love. It doesn't matter how good we are to our spouse, male, female, our significant other, our date, our mom, our daddy. There is nothing like the lavishing love of the Lord Jesus that he does for us as his children. And I just want to share before I continue. I'm going to get back to the text. But I want, to, I want to share some things that are in other verses just to help us know what God's Word says about us as His children. You are a new creation, 2 Corinthians 5. The old is gone, the new has come. That means He makes us new in Him. And it's fresh every day. We're not who we used to be. We're a brand new person. By God's grace, we'll be more like him when we transition to heaven. We are a new creation. He lavishes that on us. You are forever loved, Romans 8. Isn't it good to know that though humans fall short of love, God's love never fails. You know why I think, speaking of Woodrow, my dog, people like dogs. Because dogs typically love you no matter what. 
It doesn't matter what somebody says to me today, good or bad. When I go home today and I see old Woodrow, he's going to lick me, love me. He's going to say, I, because I am his person. Let me tell you something. If you are a child of God, you are his person. He loves you. He died for you. He came that you might have life. He came to bless you and give you a purpose. He loves us no matter what. During the good times, during the bad times, during the difficult times. You are strong, Psalms 18.32. Now, some people in the room are mm, this kind of strong. Mm, and I'm talking about that kind of strong. That's good if you are. I want you on my team. But what it means is we have strength in the Lord. He helps us do things that we cannot do on our own. In him, he helps us fulfill our call in life and our purpose. You are forgiven, First John 2, 12. You see how he lavishes his love on us? These are just a few things. These are not even necessarily directly in the text. They are indirectly in other texts, cross-references. We are forgiven. Past, present, future. 1 John 2.12, you are whole, Colossians 2.10, he makes us whole. You are created with purpose, Esther 4.14. Just as you think about Esther in the Old Testament and you realize, you know what, Esther, wow, what a lady. She was created for a purpose. God used her for such a time as this. So are you, Christian. So are you. Our brother talked about how we're all missionaries. It may be international missions. It might be right here. It might be this afternoon to a senior citizen or somebody that's grieving. But we are all created with a purpose to fulfill our mission in Christ. He has lavished on us great love. With all wisdom, the scripture says, and understanding. Verse 9, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him, verse 11, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in community and in, in Community with the purpose, conformity with the purpose of his will. Verse 12. In order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth. The gospel of your salvation. When you believed you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. He seals us in him. When we confess our sin, put our faith and trust in him, the Holy Spirit comes at that moment. We are sealed and promised the Holy Spirit, verse 14, who is the deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the, there it is, praise of his glory. Sounds like at the end of this message, we need to give him praise. We might be headed there. But before we do, let's talk about rich folks. Spiritually rich. What does all that mean? How do we apply that? And what way spiritually 
Are we rich? There's two things. If you're taking notes, you have them in your worship guide. The first one is this. God's rich plan for his people. If you are a child of God, he has a plan for you. He didn't just save you to sit, just kind of make it and wait until heaven. If so, he would have said, spring me up, call me on up, take me on up to heaven. I have no future for you. That's not it. He's got a plan for you, and he's got a plan for me. Because you saw the terminology, predestined, election, chosen. You know, before I came, as you know, your interim pastor was Gary Mays, friend of mine, much older than me. I listened to one of his sermons, and it was all on this election, predestination, chosen. He did a fantastic job. Very biblical, very purposeful. So I'm not going to go into an entire message on this because you had a mighty good one. And some of you have done some reading all that and some study on it. But because it's in the text, I want to refer to some things here that I make sure you know where I am. And what I understand the Apostle Paul to be talking about when he's talking about you are chosen, you are predestined. He's talking to the church, a group of people that were supposed to already be saved. So keep that in mind when you come to this text. Here's what Dr. Tony Evans said. The focus of the book of Ephesians is on the corporate church, not on the individual Christian salvation. Therefore, the choosing an election to which Paul refers is not for individuals to eternal life, but regards God's choice to establish a people, a beloved one whose purpose is to reflect his holy character in a sinful world. In other words, when he says that, he has chosen us and provides for us a plan as the church of Jesus Christ and as God's people there is a plan for us once we're in him he gives us his plan and we get to work serving him not because we're trying to earn our way to heaven but because we're going there we don't just sit here and soak we serve him all the days of our life here's what John Phillips who's in heaven now said In his commentary, God has predestined us to maturity, meaning spiritual maturity. Those who are saved are predestined. The word is not used in connection with the lost. God does not predestine certain people to go to hell and others go to heaven. The concept of predestination is reserved in Scripture for those who are in God's family. We might say that the election has to do with the past. Ooh, I like this. And predestination has to do with the future. Election has to do with what we were chosen from. Predestination has to do with what we are chosen for. It is God's intent to bring us to spiritual maturity so that we can become partners with him in his eternal purposes. When I was growing up as a child, many of you did the same thing. We were chosen at times to be on a team. Do you remember those? Sometimes that wasn't fun. It depended on what the team was for. You know, you go out to the playground, and they'd get a, a game of kickball. 
And they'd, they'd get a, somehow somebody would be a leader and somebody would be a leader. I don't know how all that worked. And then they'd start picking, okay? I, you get to flip a coin, whatever, a leaf or whatever. You get to go first and you choose a person and a person. And a person. You remember, you remember all those days? The, 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 those, those days don't always bring great memories for me. Now, maybe you're okay. Maybe I need some therapy or something. But I'm just telling you, I thought about that. We, cho- we were chosen. Now, in my childhood, there were times that um, when it came to teams, like, for example, let's choose, you, do you ever, did you ever do the spelling bee? You had, you had teams to see who t- whose team would win, but who caused you, you had a team to get everybody accomplished more to see who could spell the, the best. I, 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 I was never chosen at the top. I, I was not, man, let's get how. No, I wasn't. At the, at the church where my daddy was a pastor. They, they do Bible drill. Do I ever do Bible drill? You say, did you go to Bible drill? I had no choice. I had to go to Bible drill. Now, don't tell anybody, but I didn't really like it at the time. You know, those kind of things, academics, spelling, memorizing the books of the Bible, knowing where the text and the Scripture was. When they would pick those teams, the preacher's kid would usually be chose last to be on one of those teams. Now, we went out to the playground, play ball. I, I wasn't always last. Now, you got to consider the competition. <laughs> it wasn't like, you know, it's out there with great athletes but where I grew up. But I, it was like, okay, there were sometimes I was glad they were picking a team because I thought, you know, by God's grace, I won't be at the last. There were other times, more times than not, I was usually toward the last. And sometimes that brings up different memories and emotions to us. Now, I want you to know, Christian, it doesn't depend on your ability it doesn't depend on if you went, you can spell or not. It doesn't depend on how much education you have if you have a DR before your name. It depends on the grace of God and you putting your faith and trust in him and making yourself available to him. He has a plan for you and for me. Don't forget it. We should never, ever forget it and feel like, man, I'm a loser, I'm a loser. No, 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 no. Nobody's a loser when you're on God's team. We're to do our best with however God has gifted us and wired us and all those kinds of things, but trust him. He saved you for a purpose, and he saved you for a plan. 1 Thessalonians 5, 24, the one who calls you is faithful. He will Do it. He has a plan. He has a rich plan for all the days of our lives. Moses reminded in the Old Testament the chosen people of Israel. In Deuteronomy 7, 7 and 8, just listen to this. The Lord did not set his love on you nor chose you because you were more in number than any other people. For you were the least of all peoples. But because the Lord loves you and because he would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers say in him let's try that again teenagers help me out here say in him in him say it again we are in him say this we rich folks let's say it again doesn't it sound good one more time one two three we are 
We are rich spiritually in Christ Jesus. We are rich because we have the king's plan in place. We are blessed, chosen, adopted, redeemed, forgiven, lavished with grace in his mysterious will, eternal inheritance, sealed with the Holy Spirit, and guaranteed heaven. Those are just some of the blessings listed in this text. We got some others when we talked about lavish. Now, here's the second thing. Second spiritual reason we are rich. The rich promise of his people to his people. He didn't make a promise and not keep it. It's right there in the text. There's a way to get it done, and it does not come from us. It's called the Holy Spirit, like an engagement ring. It's a down payment, if you will, of an eternal commitment. It's a foretaste of what's to come. The seal of the Holy Spirit speaks of a finished transaction. There's no breaking the seal. It's God's seal. Even today when important documents, as you know, are processed, they are stamped with an official seal to signify their completion of transaction. It's ownership, security, and protection, authenticity. Here's what Romans 8, 9b says, first part of the verse. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. It's not works. It's not religious activity or jargon. It is the witness of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit resides inside of us. It's not an it. It's a he. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. God inside of us by his grace. That is the Holy Spirit. Now, what does the Holy Spirit do? We did this. We talked about this several months ago. But let's just be reminded. The Holy Spirit convicts. Oh, he convicts the lost person of their sin. And as a Christian... There's times we can be out of fellowship. We end up in a ditch somewhere. We didn't do it overnight, but somewhere we got out of fellowship. And I'm telling you, we make lousy sinners. Because here's what happens. This is where I wish we had a step. One day I'm going to jump off this. But so here's, I'll just pick on Daniel. This is our youth minister. He's, he can handle it. He's one of these guys. You remember earlier on Okay, the Holy Spirit, here's what, here's what happens in my life. Here's the way I like to, to, to explain it. Sometimes if I get off track, I see it in my life, I make a choice I shouldn't have made or I, I'm not doing something I should do, it's like, hey, that's the way. I don't know if that Holy Spirit works with you like that, but it's like, hey. And then sometimes I may go a little bit longer and I'm thinking, you know, God, I got this. I got, you ever do that? I got this. You know, I'm obeying here, here, and here. Come on. Give me some, give me some slack, God. And all of a sudden, I'll hear. Mm, 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 mm. Now, it's all done in love. But it's because of a love, Pat, of the Holy Spirit that God will get my attention and help me realize, whoo, I, I, I better go back and straighten this out and do this thing right Or I may really get a pat that I don't want because God disciplines those he loves. Oftentimes, it's an indication that we are his child. So the Holy Spirit, ooh, it's a seal. And it helps because it convicts. But it also comforts. The Holy Spirit comforts. When we grieve over a loss, job, somebody passes away, we we have all kind of losses. The Holy Spirit comforts us. It's hard to explain, isn't it? 
some of my most difficult losses, it's like, I know it's not me. And it's not. It's the Holy Spirit of God that's comforting me and giving me peace. Peace is that passes all understanding. You go through a difficult time or season. It's God's peace. It doesn't mean it's not. It's fun. It doesn't mean you don't have moments. You don't have moments of concern. But I'm telling you, God gives us comfort. I do not know how lost people lose a loved one and survive because they don't have the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Sure, they have some buds. They figured out way other ways to, to I just don't know. I just don't know. I just don't know. That's why we want to reach lost people. That's why we have the great commission, the great commandment. That's why we, we need to do everything we can to offer them hope. Because I cannot imagine. You say, well, th- th- this person has their life and it's been great. One day, something's going to happen. Something. And we hope it's before they die. So maybe they'll realize they, they have Jesus and they can put their faith in him. But the Holy Spirit comforts here's another thing and there's other things this is not a whole study on the holy spirit but it's in the text we need to understand what it how, how we're blessed to have the holy spirit he guides us he helps control us if we will allow him to my favorite verse that i shared earlier is first first thessalonians five twenty four. the one who calls his faithful he will do it and take some of the pressure off he's going to help me i do my part he does this who is the he the holy spirit He does not leave us hanging down here. He helps us. That's why when tomorrow you go and you face something that's within the Holy Spirit's control as you're living out your faith, you might have a difficult day or somebody might be giving you a hard time at school or at work or on your team. You just got to understand the Holy Spirit's not leaving you. He's going to help you. He's going to guide you through it. He'll control things if you will let him. He will guide you through it. He's never going to leave you. It might be rough, and you may not know what's going to happen tomorrow, the next day, or the end result, but he ain't going to leave you. He's got you. That's the Holy Spirit. He's our helper. He's our helper. Back to Granddaddy Oak Street. I was 12 when he died, but when I moved to Clinton before my 11th grade year, I don't know why I signed up for it, but I signed up for mechanical drawing. It was awful. I did, that's, that's one of my uh, scars or wounds that I, re- I remember from school because, and I was the new guy, and I was sitting there. Our, I remember our teacher, Mr. Beecham. And again, I have no idea. I, I, I needed to talk to my folks about that. I don't know why I was in mechanical drawing. It was an elective. I had no business being in mechanical drawing. And I remember one day, Mr. Beecham, he said, Kitchen, he said, he called me Kitchen. Now, you know my name, by the way, let me step over here. My name is Kitchings with an I-N-G-S. Okay, good. Now that we got that settled. Kitchen. He said, Kitchen. Kitchen, hey, hey, hey. I, I took it a, I'd had a couple of tests and a couple of drawings turning. He said, Kitchen. It ain't no reason for you to even be in here. Now, I don't recommend that if you're a teacher. You know, tell them that privately. But, yeah, it was bad. It was bad. But you know what I started thinking? If my granddaddy had been alive, this well-known, famous architect, he would have come and he could have helped his grandson out that can't draw a stick, stick man. Can you imagine Man, I'd have had N.W. Overstreet sitting right by me. 
helping me out with my homework, my test. It would have helped me. We used our imagination a little bit because I would have put out a better product because of NW, not because of HTK. The Holy Spirit helps us accomplish our mission, our purpose, our reason for being here on earth. He's going to help us. We need not fear. Joshua's told, be strong and courageous. And that's what we need to do. We need to praise him this morning. So here's what we're going to do. I want to ask you to stand to your feet. Robert and others are coming to lead us in this song. This is a, this is a, a song of praise. Now, it's also today going to serve as our invitation. The staff will be down here. Now, forgive us if we get caught up in singing. We may be caught up in singing, but we'll still talk with you. We'll pray with you. This is a normal type invitation where you come and maybe make the most important decision, putting your faith in Jesus or coming for prayer or come to the altar. But you, you saw in there, praise, praise, praise. We have so much to praise God about because we're rich folks. Spiritually speaking, we are rich. So if you know the song, sing it. If you don't, just pretend like you know it. Or just be in the spirit of prayer and the spirit of thankfulness. This is our invitation too.